together let us pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Come Holy Spirit, we pray Lord that you would speak, that you would give us the grace to be attentive to your word. Pray that our minds and our hearts and our souls may be fertile soil for your word, that it may bear great, rich, and abundant fruit in our lives. Lord, illuminate this great mystery, the most holy Eucharist for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. It is the Lord. These are the words of St. John to St. Peter, one of the resurrection accounts after they had already seen Jesus and they went back home to Galilee and were fishing. They saw someone on the shore and and he cries out to them, have you caught any fish? And first they didn't recognize who it was. And St. John who recognizes him and says, it is the Lord. And upon that, St. Peter takes off, you know, his outer garments, dives into the water, swims to shore to be with Christ because of the recognition of who he was. And he wanted to be near him. He wanted to be with him. Today, as we celebrate the Feast of Corpus Christi, let us pray together for a deeper awareness and for the grace of faith to know that Jesus is present in the Holy Eucharist. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. That it's not just this sacred thing. It's not just this sacred token. It's not this cute Catholic thing that makes me warm and fuzzy, you know, this nice tradition. It is Christ. It is the Lord. And he desires to draw ever more close to us in the Eucharist. Just recently, I was praying with a group of people, a group of people, you know, good, solid Catholics, all believing in the presence of the Eucharist, and, and we're just before the Lord in the sacrament, and afterwards we kind of got together, like, what is the Lord laying on your heart? And, and one person shared, you know, like, wow, like, a reminding that sometimes it's easy for us to come to the Eucharist, like, okay, I'm going to go kind of get, like, spiritually gassed up, like, I'm going to go get the Eucharist, get some, some, you know, some spiritual fuel, and then here we go, I'll go sit before the Lord, kind of get, like, little spiritual tokens, like, all right, and then go about my day. There's this awareness again, like, no, that's Jesus. It is the Lord. Because he, he wants us to, to not just be aware of the true presence, not just have faith in the true presence, which is a big deal. Because really, only about a third of a Catholic Catholics actually believe that. It's kind of crazy. It's the truth. It's the central thing of our faith. Only about a third of us believe the truth of it. But more than that, the Lord wants to enter into our lives in this deep, intimate, and personal way. I mean, that's part of why he gave us the Eucharist. St. Francis is one of the most popular saints, and he's known for a lot of things. But most of the things that he's known for aren't super important. And many of the other things in his life are. You know, he's like the birdbath saint. Like, 
hey, bless my dog. Like, okay, cool, great, you know, bless my dog. But St. Francis had a profound, serious devotion to Christ in the Eucharist. And he used to, to run up and down the streets of Assisi. And he used to yell out at the top of his lungs, love is not being loved. Love is not being loved. Just yelling. And what was he talking about? That in the church, the Lord was present in the Eucharist in the tabernacle and no one was going to visit him. No one was going to spend time with him. So he'd just run up and down the streets and then he would go from church. If you go to CC, there's like tons of little churches and chapels and he would, just, he would just go from one to one, spending time before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Being in that intimate relationship with him of which transformed his heart from there, that as he loved him in the Eucharist, then he could move out and love him in the poorest of the poor because he encountered Christ in that way. Yes, is it, is it a crazy thing on a natural level to believe what Christ told us about the Eucharist? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to believe that right now over there, there's bread and wine on that table. And it's going to be brought forward. And at the time of consecration, the the words of consecration will be prayed by the priest. The Holy Spirit will come. And we believe that it's still going to look like bread and taste like bread. But it's going to be the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Miraculous. Why do we believe this? Because Christ said it. This week, I invite you especially, go home and pray with the sixth chapter of John's Gospel. Just read the sixth chapter because that's when Jesus is first talking about the Eucharist. And and like many people today, people are like, he's crazy. I'm going home. Like the Jews are there. They're like, yep, later. And then his disciples are like, "Mm, not so much. We're going to leave too. And he turns to the 12. He says, are you two going to leave? And Peter speaks up for them. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. It insinuates in that answer that like he was thinking, mm, might be getting a little deep for me. Where else can I go? And there's nowhere else to go. So even St. Peter struggling with, with Jesus proclaiming the Eucharist for the first time, struggling with that belief, he remained. The other apostles remained, and some of Jesus' disciples remained because they believed in Christ, the way, the truth, and the light. Then at the Last Supper, right, he, where there should have been a lamb, there wasn't a lamb. And Jesus takes the bread, and he says, this is my body. And he takes the chalice, and he says, this is my blood. Establishing the Eucharist there. If you go back and read in the history of the church, there's a book. It's really cool. It's called The Hidden Manna. The Hidden Manna. And it goes from like right after the apostles, the next bishops, and the next, and the next, and all the way through. That all these, from the very beginning, the church has always taught consistently of the true presence in the Eucharist. And this book, The Hidden Manna, just traces all those writings, all of those teachings, all the way through. Now... Sometimes, right, we can still remain like, gosh, it's kind of skeptical. So the Lord at times gives a supernatural, the Eucharist in itself is supernatural, supernatural miracles of the true presence of the Eucharist. One of the most popular ones was in Lanciano, Italy. 
This was in the 8th century, and this monk, he was a priest, he had trouble believing in the true presence of the Eucharist. He's like, hmm, not so sure. So he's celebrating Mass, and then all of a sudden, the host in his hand turned into flesh and started bleeding. Rightfully so, he freaked out, right? I hope this never happens when I'm celebrating Mass. Don't do it, Jesus. <laughs> but so he freaks out, and he's like, what is this? And so he, he, right, he, he covers it in the corporal, puts in a suborea, puts it in the tabernacle, goes to the bishop, and he's like, um, not sure you're going to believe this, but this just happened. And so they, they've kept it, and so it's still coagulated blood, and then there's the host that's flesh. So in the early 70s, they're like, okay, we're going to test this scientifically and see what it is. So they test the blood, and it's AB-type blood, which is the same blood sample found on the Shroud of Turin, the burial cloth of Christ. They tested the tissue. Literally, it's still human tissue that has not disintegrated. I mean, you think it's just muscle tissue, right? It should be powder by now. It's cardiac tissue. And they could tell that it was from someone's heart who suffered greatly because of different enzymes that were in it. If you go on eucharisticmiracles.org, you can read a ton of these. The most recent one that's been recognized by the church was in 2013 in Poland. They tested this host that had fallen to the ground. So when a host falls to the ground, you do one of two things. You consume it or you put it in a container of water so that it completely dissolves. Because when it's no longer, the bread is no longer present, then it's no longer the Eucharist. So typically you would let it completely dissolve and then pour it into the ground. Well, a few weeks later, they go in and check and they look and, it, and it's still, it's not dissolved and it's got a huge red spot on it. And they're like, what is this? So after a while, they go and again, again, they test it and it's, it had turned into flesh. AB blood type, cardiac tissue, Again, multiple of these stories, eucharisticmiracles.org. Um, do we need these? No. But the Lord gives them. It's a beautiful thing. So today, let us pray as we celebrate the Mass for a, a renewed faith in Christ's presence in the Eucharist. And not just the belief of that, but let us have a heart that goes out to meet Him. I mean, even if it's 10 minutes a week, there are Catholic churches all over this city, perpetual adoration chapels. We have a chapel here for adoration as well as a tabernacle here in the church. Let us spend time with the Lord. I'm telling you, if you want to meet him, if you want to enter into a deeper, more personal relationship with Christ, getting before him consistently in his Eucharistic presence is the way to do it. It's not just a spiritual token. It's not just saying, like, let me go get charged up. Like, it's Jesus. And so how do we need to approach him like St. Peter? St. Peter, right, he gets vulnerable. Like, he takes off what he's wearing and dives into the water and goes out to meet Christ. So when we come to meet him in prayer in the, in the Eucharist, let us, like, take off the mask. Take off the mask. Go for the Lord with a vulnerable, honest heart. Vulnerable, honest heart. Since we've had the chapel here... I, I was praying, and multiple people were praying, like, just like the Lord just wants this, this place for people to encounter him more intimately in the Eucharist. And 
More people were going, more than I expected to go, to be completely honest. And uh, people just speaking about encountering the Lord in the still quietness in his Eucharistic presence, because it is him. I've found that people who want to know what the Lord wants with their life, like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, the best advice that I give is go spend time in adoration. Go spend time. If you, like, they, they interview guys who are ordained priests every year in the U.S., and they ask them, like, what did you do before you entered seminary? The number one answer every single year is Eucharistic adoration, helping them discover. Why? Because it's not about, and don't go there like this exactly, right? Like, hey, Jesus, tell me what you want me to do, because then we're just using him. We're not interested in the relationship with him. We're just like, hey, tell me what you want me to do. But we go in there to encounter his face and his heart and to walk with him. And as we do that, as he reveals himself to us and as he reveals us to ourselves, then he says, just follow me. Like today at every mass, we're going to say, behold the Lamb of God. That's what St. John the Baptist said to the first disciples. What did they do? They just followed him. They followed him. And he said, come and see. Come and see. And then they discovered their vocation there. Let us do the same. We cry out with St. Francis, love is not love. Love is not love. Let us make an effort, even 10 minutes a week, to come before the Eucharistic presence of Christ. And it will transform us. Why? Because it is the Lord. Because it is the Lord.